0: Hello out there! Welcome back into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It's the middle of the week, and mm-hmm. it's time for Snappy Judgments. It's a what is it? This is the final Woody Wednesday. Woody Wednesday. Actually, no, it's oh, a Strike
1: final. that from the record. We'll be back here next Wednesday for the final Woody Wednesday. It's the
0: penultimate, penultimate Woody Wednesday, Woody Wednesday of the
1: 2022 football season. The year 2022.
0: Oh. It's been a hell of a run. And, and wouldn't you, you for know, it. watching everyone? Wouldn't you, you know it? Time. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and Reese Stockdale. And Xavier Johnson are on the Monarch machine. Yeah, they got a crew over there now. It's a, it's growing. And why is that? Because Emeka Ibuka might be a little healthier, Burn.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really the the message of today. We talked to, I don't know, 14, 15 different Ohio uh, State players. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Day talked about it on Tuesday. One of the advantages of, of this month off is that you get a chance to get guys healthy. You never want to lose to Michigan. You always want to win the Big Ten Championship. But if you can get into the playoff and have a chance to win the National Championship without having to play that extra game, <laughs> And you give guys an opportunity to get healthier you may have a better chance to win the national championship and certainly ameka buka is one of those guys that seems like he's going to be 100 for the georgia game michael hall was confident that these weeks are what he's really needed to get back he said he wasn't 100 since the wisconsin game just as a frame of reference i mean think about it, he had four sacks and seven snaps at michigan state and was not 100 but there's a lot of confidence growing that everyone who's been dealing with the nagging injuries should be ready to go, including mine Williams, who you guys spent a lot of time talking about. Yeah, I'd yep. say
0: more than anything, uh, Bill Landis, that was, like, we could go down the list. It got kind of old in uh, October and November talking about the status <laughs> report, but, like, for this team and for getting getting ready for that Peach Bowl against Georgia, it's pretty significant the amount of guys that could make this team look different. We also know that Travion Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigbo won't be part of that, but the rest of that team that is available – trending towards full health for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I
2: mean it's a it's good timing obviously. It's it's nice to get some clarity not not only on like who was hurt and what was ailing them but also on how it impacted the guys and talking with Maya Williams specifically, you know, about the I think the high ankle sprain mostly but I think the knee a little bit too. He said sometimes you lack a little bit of confidence in your ability to do things you would otherwise try if you were healthy, like make a cut here, cut there, plant your foot and try to get vertical maybe a little more uh, sudden than you would uh, or that you would if you are healthy. And he said he struggled with that a little bit, um, I think, probably in the Michigan game, too. And and maybe it speaks a little bit to Travion Henderson's struggles as well. He won't get the chance to rectify that uh, in, in the Peach Bowl. But I think Maya Williams is very eager to remind people of what a mostly healthy Maya Williams looks like.
0: Yep. So, you know, Mayan spinning. Pretty much every day in the training room, talked about that routine, and it, it's still no guarantee that he's going to be 100% as if it was a season opener uh, by the time they play Georgia, but uh, certainly a good chance to be close. Yeah, barring mm-hmm. a major setback, he'll be Bar- the yeah, starting yeah. running back. Of course. You have, you have two State. weeks of practice to go. Like Nothing is guaranteed. We're all day-to-day in this life. That's right. Uh, Cameron Brown had a stinger in the second half that kept him out of the Michigan game. He said, that, that's no problem. He's going to be good to go moving forward. We talked about Mike Hall and the shoulder, how they're managing that. He feels like they've got a plan in place where he's going to be able to finally get a full complement of snaps back, which we have not seen. Uh, talked to him a little bit about that frustration of like, you were on pace to be an All American and all that fell by the wayside and the frustration of that. Like, all these, there's so many of these guys who just like weren't able to reach that full potential. And it was hard even in November to put that into words because Ohio State has been tight lipped about what all these guys are dealing with. And I think it did a disservice to you know, someone like Emeka Ibuka or Mike Hall if you didn't know what their limitations were going to be. Right. I,
1: Especially because Emeka was never on any injury report. He yeah. was never a game-time decision. He was never anything. But that's just what happens when you play football. You're going to have these nagging injuries. I think that was sort of the message today that I really heard from a lot of these guys is frustration in that they, they don't feel like, A, they put their best foot forward against Michigan, and then nobody denied that. I mean – I think Teron Vincent said it was the the worst day to play their worst day, and, and that's about the best analysis of that entire debacle. But a lot of guys, it really just came down to frustration that they they let that opportunity slip through their fingers, and you do get a sense that they're really believing that there's an opportunity to re- remedy that. And uh, CJ Stroud mentioned that Ryan Day had talked to them about the 2002 National Championship game against Miami where they – we're not supposed to win that game. We're supposed to—I mean, there were media people suggesting Ohio State was going to lose that game by four or five touchdowns. Um, <laughs> and bringing up the game against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in 2014, like there is precedent for Ohio State to to rally around, you know, the Ohio against the world mentality, and you can kind of sense that today.
0: That's why I thought a day like today, with you know the leaders of this team, the more productive players on this team, to talk about like. Okay. November twenty sixth happened. If you wanna talk about X's and O's and corrections that they can be that can be made, sure. But to in terms of like thinking that they're still licking their wounds or emotionally damaged by what mm. happened, like I think they needed a game to remind people that they know that they lost, they know that they were expected to win, and they know the importance of beating Michigan, but they are focused on Georgia. There was a, a back and forth with Zach Harrison about, well, is this game in the is the Michigan game in the back of your mind or the front of your mind? Like, they're trying to play Georgia. They are not talking about November 26th anymore beyond, okay, here's some things maybe schematically that you have that you carry over from Michigan to Georgia. But in terms of being scarred and damaged and unable to get past it, I don't get that sense for this team at all.
2: No, I get, I get quite the opposite. And, you know, if they didn't have this game, they probably would be in that mode. I'm sure they would be licking their wounds and, and hanging their heads and have this cloud sort of over them of, about losing to Michigan again. Um, they were sort of blessed with, with an opportunity to put that behind them. Not, not a lot of teams get that. Usually in the past, if you're an Ohio State team, you lose that game, your season is over. Uh, the, the dynamics of college football have changed and are continuing to change to the point where maybe that won't be the case moving forward, and perhaps we have to process that game a little differently. But this team's getting to enjoy that if you want to frame it that way right now. And, and I think they are embracing it. I think berms, right? Like sometimes the Ohio against the world stuff is like, yeah, whatever you're favored by 40. Uh, that is <laughs> That's not, a p- cool sweatshirt. Yeah. Though. It's a cool sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun to see Julian Fleming wear that to the, to the <laughs> Penn state game a couple of years ago. I'm sure people in Pennsylvania love that, but, uh, it's, it's real now. Like they actually do get to embrace that, and I, I think it can
1: be helpful for them, and it seems to be energizing them right now. And, and I think some of it has been inspired by just the way that people have responded to what happened on November 26th. You're going to see on social media and a lot of places a speech, a soliloquy, a monologue that CJ Stroud gave today talking about uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba and and Henderson and the way that people have responded to the news of their injuries. And I don't think I've ever heard an Ohio State player in my time covering the team in the last 11 years respond that way uh, as aggressively as he did about people not truly understanding what happens here and what these guys are going through on a day-to-day basis. And I don't like to keep kicking that dead horse. We've talked about it all year. The, the Ohio State approach to injuries did no one any favors this year. And CJ Stroud was legitimately pissed off today. You could tell. And and I think that that sort of bonding, that sort of, like, backing everyone into a corner is good for this team.
0: <clears throat> mm. Okay, beyond uh, injuries, beyond uh, the emotions of this team, Bill, did you get any questions answered that you wanted about how they're going to approach playing Georgia?
2: Yeah, some good stuff from, like, Luke Whippler and Donovan Jackson about trying to handle a guy like... Jalen Carter, that it's not, as we talked about, it's not a one man show that's going to be a a group effort to handle him. Um, You know, I don't, don't, they're not daunted by the task, I don't think, nor, nor do I think they should be. I think they should embrace the challenge of showing people or reminding people how good they are. Like Donovan Jackson was. A lot by a lot of people's measures, the best offensive lineman in his recruiting class. There's no reason why he can't go out there and play man to man against Jalen Carter and Luke Whipple. Played like one of the best centers in the country for long stretches of this season. Like I think he's up to the task too, and and they portrayed as such. So it's it's not to say that it's going to be easy. Like Jalen Carter is is a freak, <laughs> but um, I'm excited to watch that play out now. Having sort of picked up on the demeanor of, of these offensive linemen going into that matchup because I think they're really eager for it.
1: Yeah, and I, I talked to Mecca Abuka about what they're doing to prepare. Which Georgia defense are you preparing for? And and he essentially told me that they're not watching a game as much as they are watching technique, watching what individual players give away or do on any specific play rather than this scheme, that scheme, because it doesn't matter because you have no idea what scheme they're going to run. So you're looking for the flaws, I guess, um, in, in the Georgia defensive backfield no matter what defensive scheme they run so there's not really a a measure of saying oh well against Tennessee they blitzed a lot and they played a lot of man rest of the year they played a lot of zone you know CJ said somebody asked him about LSU and if the LSU game against Georgia gives him confidence he's like you think Georgia's going to play the same same game (laughs) yeah like they're working to get better just like we're working to get better so I think there's a lot of people who are just trying to figure out like how did That was the the overriding tone of the day. Do your job. And I, I heard it today 60 times, and I haven't heard a player around here say that all year long. So that clearly is the message that's been hammered into the, the program by the coaching staff since the Michigan game, and you heard it over and over again today. It doesn't matter how many great schemes you have drawn up if guys don't individually perform up to the task. And that was sort of – if I had to headline today, it's do your job.
0: I spent a – a little bit of time. I just wanted to, I don't know, get to know Cam Brown, hmm. ask him some questions. How'd that go? It was nice, it was insightful. <laughs> uh, and I was asking sort of about like, I know we're not going to get the game plan. And I, you know, he and Tanner McAllister both I tried to ask like about dealing with the tight ends and like, so Cam, you know, how much c- could or would the cornerbacks have to be involved in that? Like, is this a, a game where? You, you try and play more zone or get something different to put different looks out there. And he kind of looked at me a little bit crazy. He's like, I think that the corners are expecting to be isolated in man and that a lot of the extra help is going to come elsewhere. So that Jordan Hancock was out there, but I met somebody else we didn't talk about who was dealing with injury late in the, well, basically oh, all yeah. year. Um, somebody who's going to have to be important to play a bigger role. He's one of the more talented athletes on this roster was robbed of a chance to show that really all season. And it's hard like, to, to speculate about what's going to happen with such a small sample size for him. But we saw when he was briefly healthy, how good he can be. Uh, he had some growing pains that are uh, not unexpected. But whether that's Jordan Hancock, certainly a healthy Cameron Brown, Denzel Burke, those guys are just going to have to be prepared, I think, to live a life on an island. Because yeah. so much of the other attention is gonna to have to be diverted to those tight ends. Well, uh-huh. this
1: is the problem though. I'm sure Georgia saw the tape against Indiana. You, if you can if you can match it up to get Brock Bowers on an island with Cam Brown, <laughs> that didn't well, sure, go well for Ohio sure, State in yeah. that game when you're up against a six five tight end. You put Darnell Washington out there at six foot eight and four hundred and eighty seven <laughs> pounds of pure muscle. He's the big show. Like yeah. it, it's a it's a bad combination. it's a bad matchup no matter who's out there, but certainly Ohio State is gonna to have to let and trust those corners. Do you think it was?
2: Should should I not read too much into the fact that Michael Hall and Jordan Hancock came out here and did interviews today? When two guys haven't played all that much this year,
0: I didn't put them on the list,
2: nor did I, because I didn't expect them to talk. Yeah, I, I don't.
0: We're here to read too much <laughs> into things. That's the we whole, certainly are. That's the whole point of Snappy Jays.
1: Yeah, I will tell you. Jordan Hancock told me he expects to play a lot. There it is. In okay. this game, so if so long again. Provided nothing happens in the next two weeks, then you have an idea of maybe where they're going. Michael Hall, as I talked about uh, on one of our other shows this week, days are all running together, Like he is a guy that can be a difference maker against a team like Georgia. He is the most impactful defensive tackle Ohio State has when he's healthy. He's the guy that can penetrate. He's the guy that can run block. He's the guy that does a lot of things better than anyone else. And I asked him point blank. I'm like, you know, how much of the end of the season was you not being ready to go? And how much is it is maybe not getting a chance to go. And he said, I wasn't ready to go. Okay. So take that for what it's worth. I guess um, if, if he says he wasn't able to be his full impactful self, then that explains why he wasn't on the field lot.
0: I took a different approach with him and, <laughs> and asked like, uh, why he didn't just be honest about the, because like, I talked to him after the Michigan state game on the side and I'm like, are you a hundred percent? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, Okay, sure. (laughs) Um, You're definitely not, or you'd play more than seven snaps. But like, it's just sort of that give and take. Like, I don't think that anybody wants to have excuses made for them. They certainly don't want to blame their coach and then get in trouble for that. So, you know, I think it's easier to put that on their shoulders. Like, I don't, I don't think all of these situations for Ohio State all year were managed perfectly. It's obvious, and they're not all the same. And they're not all the same. Like, and you can wonder and you can look at the snap counts and say, what was different about this week to the next for my call? Like, he was hurt, okay? And he also said he wanted to play through it. And so that's a different, the conversations are complex in that way. If he wants to play and they can't say he's definitively out, then how do you manage that? Well, that, their answer to that was snap counts. I don't think that that was the perfect solution for anybody. Sometimes in this specific situation, you say you're in or you're out. Because Mike Hall was not going to be as important against Northwestern as he would be against Michigan or against Georgia, and I don't like, I don't want to fault guys for trying to tough through it. But we saw this a number of times for Ohio State, like whether running backs, yeah. Mike Hall, uh, you know, cornerback situations, and, and bringing them back. Like I, I understand how hard it is to get it right, but I don't, I, I, I don't think that they nailed that in a way that really helped unlock the potential of the team.
2: No, because you do that. I think you do that with an eye toward like, okay, we're going to try to manage these reps, steal some time. And then so we can unleash it against Michigan. (laughs) And then like, it didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess now maybe they are in a position because they have this month off to mostly get healthy with the exception of like Trey and Jackson. Um, to do that against Georgia, but that, that was the frustration for me. It was like, okay, I get you're trying to manage this. I don't think it's been managed all that well, but at least like at the end of the year there'll be a payoff, and then the payoff never came. Yep. That was that was the challenging
1: part. As we're doing the whole reading too much into things, Mayan Williams is the only running back we talked to today. Uh, after talking to Dallin Hayden multiple times throughout the season, yeah. after Chip Traynham was the primary running back against Michigan, Mayan is the guy who you'd think would be the one that they'd want that would get questions asked that they don't really want answered. So it's fascinating to me that he was out here and not the other guys, uh, or uh, the only running back out here. Just little things like that. that are
0: interesting. At least, at least you give uh, Jerry Amig and Ohio State credit for like not trying to put it off because the whole team is supposed to be available yeah. when they get to Atlanta. So. There's not going to be secrets and everyone will just immediately flock to anyone who's been hurt. That's sort of how that works.
2: Yeah, I guess we got most of that cleared up today. And I did I asked Mayan Williams too about Dallin Hayden. Like was Dallin frustrated not being involved with the mission game. He said, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. He said I would have been too. But but he said that Dallin has approached it well since then. And, and Mayan, I think, tried to take Down under his wing a little bit and tell him that like that's kind of the life of a young running back in this program. There's gonna be games where you want it more and, and you just don't touch it. And, and Mayan had
1: to go through that too. Um, housekeeping notes: Steel Chambers did announce or, or respond that he is definitely coming back for next season. I don't know that that's been a huge is the mustache? surprise.
0: That's uh, that's TBD, and you can see that on. We have a, a special series of interviews coming later. Oh,
1: sorry. I think uh, that's going mean, to be Freaky Friday's uh, whole.
0: Oh, no, okay.
1: You know, okay, cool. I think that's a good idea for a Freaky Friday. We'll have. It's good minutes. that
0: we can hash out our content plan live
1: yeah. five, for all of you, America. Five or six what are we doing inter- next Tuesday? <laughs> five or six <laughs> interviews with just uh, <laughs> random players from around the program. I think that's a good way to. Tap off the week, but we'll talk about that as we get off this <laughs> camera. But what is important uh, is that there is a belief in this building that if Steel or Tommy or Cade was coming back, that they're all coming back. I don't think that's entirely been decided yet, but I think we like know that two that out way. of three. Did yeah. they sign a two year lease? Is that what the deal It does feel like it's leaning that way. I don't yeah. think they've re signed the lease yet. I,
0: they did. I actually it. understand that that has been done. Yeah, and one person was a little bit late on the rent. <laughs> And that person got some pressure. Samson. Samson the raccoon. Stay tuned for that on Freaky Friday. If you want a super weird conversation about Steel Chambers, Tommy can and Kate trapping a raccoon and naming it Samson, yeah. which Kate said was stupid because they only had it for 10 minutes, but Steele evidently <laughs> formed a bond with this raccoon that he gave chicken fingers as well. So look forward wow. to that on Freaky that thing, Friday. That's going to be super special for you all to enjoy, I hope. Uh, it's not gonna be a lot of football talk, but that's what Freaky Friday is yeah. for.
1: Yeah, what? we're we're snappy judgmenting right now, right? You sure? I don't know, Woody Wednesday. Ohio State did add to its recruiting class okay. uh, on Wednesday morning. I think maybe we tell can, us about that. Let's throw in a touch of, of recruiting let's stuff here. Uh, Lincoln Keenholz. Throw it in. Four star Chuck it around four star quarterback from Pierre, South Dakota. Pierre, Pierre. It depends on who you. you guys. Blew my mind when you told me yeah. that. I learned Pierre in like third grade. We learned yeah. the capitals. Is it, Pierre. This is someone, someone I've spoken to who's a South Dakota resident says it's Pierre. Pierre. So we'll see. Um, Lincoln Keenholz he decommitted from Washington at about ten twenty seven, Eastern time on Wednesday morning, and then announced about thirteen seconds later that he was committed to <laughs> Ohio State. Uh, if you go to Ohio I do have a full analysis of his impact. Just as a, a nugget. On the board, Mm. there's a... Board nuggets. And I don't know if maybe this is just becoming cliche around here, but because there was a lot of talk about Devin Brown having a touch of Joe Burrow in his game. If you look at Lincoln Keenholz's film and you see him as a basketball player and a baseball player, you see a lot of similarities between him and Joe Burrow. So it's just interesting... It's, it's a, probably
0: a good idea that Ohio State just keeps recruiting yeah. Joe Burrow.
1: He's a three-time state champion. Eventually one will play I'm here. I'm sorry, four-time. <laughs> I <was> going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Four, four-time. Four-time state champion in South Dakota. Three-time MVP of the football tournament there. 6'3", 190 pounds. Throws it, runs it, does a lot of really great things. And just the power of, of the brand. Uh, for Ohio State fans who are worried that the recruiting thing is not going to get better, but they're the fourth-ranked class in the country, as a reminder. Like they don't seem to have any trouble recruiting quarterbacks uh, at Ohio State. <laughs>
0: nope. They developed the position quite well. well. How do you how do you like this strategy, Berm, of just like not even bothering really, worrying about it? We'll, we'll get somebody in December. Well, it's obviously not that way every year. Uh, Dylan Rayola, they identified
1: as the guy early, and, and they're going to have to then hold on to him for almost two years. This is a situation similar to C.J. Stroud, similar to Devin Brown, where Ohio State did not begin recruiting C.J. Stroud until late November of 2019. They did the same thing with Devin Brown a year ago, and now with uh, Lincoln Keenholtz. It's like they've realized what they're building a quarterback here is really special. And, again, I've talked about it all year. C.J. Stroud today, like when you talk to him now, it is just so different than any quarterback we've had here before. Um, he's so willing to be his genuine self, good or bad. I think there's a little bit of both to that, um, but Ohio State knows what they have at that position, and Lincoln Keenholz, the the, the recruiting pitch is the exact same as it was with him Brown. Come here, bet on yourself. You have an opportunity to come learn from Ryan Day, be a part of this system. Maybe you play here in two years, maybe you don't, but you're gonna have two years under your system that's gonna make you a better player down the road, and uh, Keenholz did not hesitate. Major
2: for them, too, to like not have to mess around on the portal, right? So yeah, because the they still
1: may have to yeah. uh, find a transfer portal quarterback, but to know that you're going to have a 2023 freshman. The issue here, potentially, for Ohio State is Keenholz is not an early enrollee, so he's not coming in until next June because he wants to play basketball and baseball uh, to finish out a senior year. So Ohio State, understanding that heading into spring, you're going to have a battle between Kyle Dale, uh, McCord and Devin Brown to be the starter. If there's any sort of early answer that gets revealed in that battle, you could see Ohio State potentially going into next spring with one quarterback on the roster.
0: If if there's any sort of indication that one guy is pulling ahead of the other in January or February. Do you I mean do you believe that's the case either way? Because I I'm not sure about I think there's only one outcome that leads to that. Uh,
1: I mean I, I think it's more likely if it's Devin Brown who pulls ahead of Kyle McCord uh, because I think that the the plan has always been yeah, one year with McCord and then you have uh, as the starter and then you have Devin Brown as the starter the year after. But it's a new world of college yeah. football mm-hmm. and NIL and everything else that happens. Uh, if if another program finds a way to, to maneuver into the Devin Brown conversation, if McCord ends up being the starter,
0: then you could
1: potentially have that still be
0: a problem. I think George is probably going to be parsing this pretty closely in the background. CJ Stroud now, getting a lot of work on the Monarch with those guys. He's oh not boy. throwing. He's receiving. Mm. So, Georgia. Check yeah. place. feeling uh, special. Might want to keep your eye. CJ Stroud not even playing quarterback in this game because Jackson's out. He's going to wear number 11. Good <laughs> <and> idea. <laughs> he's going to play wide receiver. So, go ahead and game plan for that, America. This has been the penultimate Snappy J of the year. A Woody Wednesday. Not Maybe not Snappy J, It's just the penultimate. It's penultimate Woody Wednesday. A Woody Wednesday. I don't know. Yeah. It was a wild show. And I'm trying to get my mind right for the next one, whenever that is. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us. We will see you again tomorrow.